Tonight we begin by looking at the most famous chapter in the entire Bible, Psalm 23. More people know this psalm than any other chapter in the Bible, because it's all about the goodness of God. And when you were growing up, you probably learned a little child's prayer. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Learn at a very early age that God's great and also God's good. Two pillars. If you've been in church long, you know sometimes the worship leader will say something like, God is good, and the congregation shouts back what? All the time. And then he'll say, all the time, and the congregation will say, God is good. Is that really true? Is God good all the time in your life? What about the times when you're in pain? Is God good when you're in pain? What about the times when you're in conflict? Is God good when you're in conflict? What about the times when you're depressed? Or when you're worried? Or when you're under attack? Is God really good all the time? So we begin by reading together Psalm 100, verse 5, out loud. The Lord is always good. He is always loving and kind, and his faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. So the Bible says that God is good all the time. How is that true, though? First, I want to show you why focusing on God's goodness is so very important to your life, and why when you forget to focus on God's goodness, it causes all kinds of stress. The lack of focusing on God's goodness is a major cause for stress in our lives. There are some negative consequences that happen when we forget how really good God is. So what happens when I forget God's goodness? Actually, I want to note tonight two negative consequences. You need to understand this. You might even want to write them down in your notes. Number one, when I forget that God is really good, I start claiming credit for things that God did for me. I start claiming credit for things that God did for me, through me, to me, for me, by me, with me. And when I do that, I head down the path that's going to cause a lot of depression and stress. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells the story of a rich man who had been very successful made a lot of money. So one day he's surveying his business empire. He was a billionaire. He got it all together. He said, just look at what I've done with my life. He's pretty proud. He says, look at all the, what I've accomplished. Look at all the wealth I've amassed. What am I going to do with all this wealth? I couldn't possibly spend it all. I'll tell you what, I'll just build bigger barns and store them up doesn't give God any credit at all. He takes it all on himself. He thinks that he did it all. And the Bible says, God says to that rich man, you're a fool. You fool, he says, tonight you're going to die. And I'm going to give everything you have amassed to someone else who will appreciate it and express the gratitude to me. Well, it was a sober warning. Now, if I were to ask you tonight, What's the worst sin that you could commit? wonder what you'd put on the top ten of your list. 
Some of you might say, well, some sexual sin. Some will say, well, maybe it was just being greedy. Maybe it's abusing other people in order to get more money, but not those. The Bible talks about, you know what the number one worst sin is? Prideful ingratitude. Not being grateful to God for his goodness. The Bible talks about this over and over and over. Pride and ingratitude is the sin that actually has Satan kicked out of heaven. So it's a pretty serious thing. When I stop being grateful to God for all the good that he does in my life, then I get in trouble. The Bible talks about the story of King Herod, you remember? He was the king in Jesus' day. And the Bible says in Acts 12, one day King Herod put on his royal robes, he sat on his throne, he made a speech to the people, and evidently it was quite a great message because the Bible says they shouted, this is the voice of a God. It's the voice of a God. He's more than human. Now, Herod was not humble. He's not grateful for the place where he is. Instead, the Bible says, because Herod gave no credit to God, the Lord sent an angel to strike him down with a fatal disease, and he died. See, God didn't take his life because he was immoral. God didn't take his life because he was greedy. And God didn't take his life because he lied to people. God said, You're un but God said you are ungrateful. You're setting yourself up like I did it all myself. And when you do that, you're skating on thin ice. But wait a minute. You can say, I built this business with my hands. But who gave you your hands? I thought about that business totally myself, but who gave you your mind? I worked from where I got all this totally with my own sweat and blood, but who gave you that sweat? Everything that you have in your life, you owe to God. You would not take the next breath if it weren't for God and his goodness. Literally everything in your life, the ability to see, the hair, the ability to eat, the ability to do any of those things, God gave you the ability. So God says, I want you to be grateful to me. Realize, never forget how good a God I am. That everything you have in your life, your freedom, your thoughts, everything you got, I gave it to you. Or you wouldn't have it. You wouldn't even have the ability to work. Now, do you know that ingratitude is actually one of the root sins of atheism? That when I'm ungrateful, then I start denying God. See, the Bible says this. Look at Romans 1, verses 20 and 21. Since God created everything, <clears throat> and he did, <clears throat> people have always been able to see his goodness. There's that word again, see God's goodness and power in nature. For instance, we don't have to have a Bible to know a lot about God. All you have to do is walk outside. If we didn't even have a Bible, you could still know a lot about God. Volcanoes, hurricanes, sun, moon, stars. We know a lot about God just by looking at nature. So I can't say, well, I don't know anything about God because I never read the Bible. Because the Bible says since God created everything, people already have seen the goodness and the power of God in nature. So people really have no excuse. See, design of the world and the universe is evidence of a designer. 
wherever you have creation, you must have a creator. It just doesn't happen. So the Bible goes on to say, Romans 1, verse 21. They know God exists, but they did not give him credit for all that he made. And they were ungrateful. That's a pretty big problem. Their thinking becomes confused. Their hearts filled with darkness. They think they are wise, but really they have become fools. You see, the slide into unbelief begins very early. Not with unbelief, or, but it begins with ungratefulness. I'm ungrateful for all that God has done in my life and for my life. Did you know the Bible also says that this idea of fo not focusing on God's goodness, that is being ungrateful, is one of the signs of the last days. When history coming to a close, it's one of the characteristics God said found in our society. Look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 2. As the end approaches, Paul writes, the end of history, people are going to be, well, self-absorbed. You know anybody like that? Money-hungry, self-promoting, arrogant, profane, rebellious, ungrateful. There's that word, ungratefulness. It's in a long list of sins. No respect for what is sacred. Does that sound vaguely familiar to our culture? You could see every one of those characteristics there. But then the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, what do, you, what do you have that God hasn't given you? If all that you have is from God, why do you act as though you're so great? As though you accomplished it all on your own. See, God is a good God. Now, he is the first thing that happened when I deny. The first thing that happens when I deny... When I forget, I start taking credit for the stuff that actually I didn't do. God did it through me and to me. He even gave me the abilities. Now, the second negative consequence of forgetting God's goodness. In your notes number two, I become pessimistic about the future. When you forget about how good God really is, you become pessimistic about the future. You lose hope. Because hope is based on what? On the goodness of God. And if God isn't good, there's no hope. David tells us that in Psalm 27. The connection of hope and goodness. Look at Psalm 27, verses 13 to 14. He says this, I would have despaired. I would have been desperate. I would have been in total despair unless I had believed that I'd see the goodness that is Word again, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He goes, man, therefore, no hope if God was not good. So we're up a creek without a paddle. I would have been in despair, but he did know, David said, I did know God. He knew that God was good. So instead he said, I thought, wait for a moment. I don't see the answer right now, but I'm going to wait. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Just wait for the Lord. So don't get in a hurry. God is a good God. You make the request, and then you wait. He said the distance between a delay and a denial. Do you ever do that? Do you get in so much hurry that you don't let God help you to answer a prayer request? When there's something you want to buy, it's really important to you. Do you give God an opportunity to give it to you first? I don't even think about it, some of you say. 
I just get out my credit card. I buy it. I don't have to. Then you're in debt. Have you ever got in a hurry waiting for God to answer your prayer? When you get in a hurry, like, God, I really want to get married to someone, but I'm not going to wait for you to provide the person. I'm just going to go out and find the nearest beating heart. Then you'll what? Regret. One of the rest of your life because you got in a hurry. You did not wait. You did not trust the goodness of God. Many of your problems in life come from your inabilities to delay gratification. I want it, but I want it now. That's called being immature. That's what babies say. I want it now. Not later. I want it now. That's immaturity. So I become pessimistic about the future. And David says, I would have been in despair. Now listen, if you are fighting depression these days, Rather, start focusing on the ways that God has been good to you. And you get your eyes off of your problems. You get your eyes on all the things that God has done for you. You make a good list. Count your blessings. Make a list of all the ways that God is good. Focus on those. And you know, hope simply anticipating God's goodness. Hope is simply anticipating God's goodness. The only reason you have hope is because God is good. He's a good God. If God is not good, then there is no rational, logical reason. You're up a creek without a paddle. We're all on our own then. The foundation of all hope is the goodness of God. If God is not a good God, we don't have hope. Look with me at Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, God says. God's plans for your life. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good, because it is a, he's a good God. God only has good plans for your life. He does not have bad plans. He only has good plans for your life. You can't miss that point, and you, but you can miss those plans. A lot of people miss God's plans for their life because they're working on their own plan. But he says, the plans I have for you are good plans. Plans are for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So hope is tied to the goodness of God. And the more you understand God's goodness, the more hope you're going to have in life. Again, David says in Psalm 27, Well, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I had seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I have a future because of God's goodness. So instead of despairing, I thought, wait, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your hearts take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. In Psalm 23, this nine different benefits that God's goodness gives to you. Because God is good, number one in your notes, you will meet, he will meet my needs when, I'm, when I worry. Because God is a good God, he will meet my needs when I'm worried. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not lack anything. He meets my needs when I'm worried. And number two, he will teach me to relax when I'm stressed out. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still, quiet waters. This is a metaphor of peace and tranquility. He makes me to lie down. Has God ever made you lie down? Because you were not smart enough to lay down in your own time. You were working so far. You were burning the candle at both ends. And then you're not as bright as you think you are. He makes you lie down. He teaches you how to relax when you are stressed. 
Then number three, because God is a good God, he will replenish my strength when I'm empty. The truth be that told, some of you are out of gas. You've been running on fumes for miles. And the Bible says he restored my soul. Most of the modern translation, he gives me new strength. He fills me up when I'm empty. And then number four, another benefit. He will guide me when I'm confused. Nothing stresses you out as much as indecision. You, you, got, you, you need guidance. He guides me when I'm in the right path for his namesake because he's a good God. He's not just playing games. And number five, because God is a good God, he will walk with me in my dark days. Because God is a good God, he will walk with me. He will not leave me alone. He's going to go through the dark days ahead with me. You're going to go through with, with, with God. And number six, he will protect me when I feel insecure. The Bible says in Psalm 23, verse 4, your rod, your staff will comfort me. That doesn't mean anything to you unless you know what a rod and a staff are. That they are the tools of a shepherd in leading sheep. And those tools are given to the shepherd for the benefit of the sheep. So he will protect me when I am insecure. That's God's assurance. And then number seven, God is a good God. He will publicly show his favor on my life. God wants to put favor on your life. That's his grace. God says, I will publicly show my favor on your life. Even when everybody else is attacking you or criticizing you. When they're against you, the Bible says, you, can prepare, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. He says, I'm just not going to go meet your needs. You're going to have abundance. It's going to overflow into your life. And then number eight in your notes. He will be good to me no matter what happens. Other people may not be good to me in the future, but God will. If you count on it, it's God's consistency, his grace. He will be good to me no matter what happens. Surely goodness and mercy and love will follow me all the days of my life. I don't know what's going to happen in my life. You don't know what's going to be happening in your life down the road. But I do know this, God's goodness and mercy will be there. That's his love and that's his promise. And number nine, as if that wasn't enough already, he takes us to the next life. Because God is so a good God, then he'll take me to heaven one day. God will take me to heaven one day. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a long time, forever. That is the goodness of God, though. Because God is a good God. You will meet my needs when I am worried. How, it would teach me how to relax when I'm stressed out. You will strengthen me when I'm empty. You will guide me when I'm confused. You will walk with me in dark days. You will protect me when I feel insecure. He will publicly show his favor on your life if you trust him. Your cup will run over. He wants to give you his goodness and his mercy. So who doesn't want all of those benefits? Who doesn't need, who doesn't need that? Where do you get those benefits from? All those good benefits are from the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Who is the shepherd? It's Jesus Christ. He is Lord. He's the good shepherd. Looking at what Jesus said in John 10, verses 10 and 11. My purpose is to give you, to give life to all 
in, in, in all its fullness. Because I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. He's telling us the truth here. I'm, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So Jesus came to earth and he paid for all those things on the cross. He paid for all those benefits as our good shepherd. And he died for our sins. And that's why we call it Good Friday. Good Friday certainly wasn't good for Jesus because there was a lot of pain and torture for him. He died. But Jesus says, no man takes up my life, I give it willingly. He came to die for my sins, to make all those things possible. See, sending the Messiah to die for you, that's the ultimate expression of God's goodness. Now look with me at Isaiah 49, verse 15 and 16. Can a mother forget the baby on her breasts? Obviously not. No mother's going to forget a nursing child. Well, can a mother forget the baby on her breast and have no compassion for the child she has born? The answer, of course, is no. Though she may forget, God says, I will never forget you. I have engraved you, and watch this, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. So Isaiah said that hundreds of years before Jesus even died on the cross for us, and they put, and they put nails into his hands, did you know that God has a tattoo of you? I've engraved you, the Bible says, on the palms of my hands. So when you get to heaven, the only person who's going to have scars on their body will be Jesus. And he'll say, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. That's how much I love you. That's how good I am to you. Let us pray. God, you are so good. We can never deserve your goodness. We cannot take on the next breath or a heartbeat without you. God, I'm sorry that I have forgotten your goodness at times. I don't think about it. God, when I don't think about how good you are, then I start claiming credit for things that you did for me, through me, to me. I am nothing without you, though. God, so much of the time I forget your goodness. I don't want to be that pessimistic person either. Like David, I would be in despair. Help me to wait for you. Help me to be strong, take courage. Lord, I want this life as outlined in Psalm 23. A life of guidance, assurance, goodness, because God, you're a good God. God is a good shepherd who laid down his life for each of us. You're good, a good God. I pray this humbly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.